Jimmy Carragher has more fun watching 11 v 11, so oh. he wants there to be fewer red cards. So refs should stop sending people off. Like I don't like I don't like my taxes going towards incarcerating and feeding murderers. So let's stop arresting murderers. You know, <laughs> I have. I have more fun. I have more fun when I don't have to sit here giving out about morons, Conan, speaking absolute drivel. But the solution isn't for me to stop giving out about morons, Conan. They have to be held to account. <laughs> Tim Sherwood here. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. After the match, I stuck on a little little bit of Sunday Night Viewing, a movie that I'm sure you're well familiar with, Liam, called Pitch Perfect 2. And the main plot in the sequel to Pitch Perfect is... The main plot? Jesus, I didn't think this film was going to be multi-layered, Connor. <laughs> the girls lose their sound, basically. They've had success in the first film, and things go wrong very quickly in the second film, and they've lost their sound. They've lost their harmony. They've lost their identity. And you know what? If you were really, like, really, really straining to find an intro for a podcast, you could look at Aston Villa's defeat to Forest. You could look at their performance against Alkmaar and think that's a team on the verge of losing their sound. That's a team capable of great things, but have they lost their harmony? And I think we've won 45 minutes. We put that to bed. We found our sound. We sounded bloody great. Villa Park sounded great. It all came together again. Of course it did. Of course it did. We were at home. 13 wins in a row. 13 wins since Arsenal. Since Arsenal thought that they walked all over us because they got to walk a ball into the empty net. Because Emmy <laughs> Martin has met up on a pitch in a moment that Unai Emery is never going to forget. Unai Emery is going to have one of the most successful football careers when all is said and done, and that's going to be the only thing that he remembers when all is said and done. He's going to remember his keeper abandoning ship in the team that he is so desperate, desperate to beat. But we come back to Villa Park and we put it all right again. And let's just say things are looking pretty good. <laughs> yeah, those poor girls lost their voice around the same time you lost your TV guide because you seem to miss the fact that Chelsea were playing Man City. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up watching the first half of uh, the Villa game on my phone at an impromptu birthday party for a heavily pregnant sister-in-law. And I, I did my best. I'm pretty sure nobody in the room thought I was more excited about the impending birth or that I was happier for the birthday girl than I was about how routine and inevitable that first half of the park yeah. performance was. And let's be honest, People have birthdays all the time. Sure, this fucking mother and child are going to have a birthday in the same week. And <laughs> if people are being born round the clock, on, do you know what doesn't happen every day? Do you know what happens once every 50 years? Fucking 13 home wins in a row. Do you know what happens once every 90 years? Six successive home wins to start the season. Mm. And it's fucking gorgeous and it's special. As rare as the Barden Bellas winning the World Acapella Championships. <laughs> 
but let's get into how routine this is. It's amazing. It actually is amazing. I know the Forest game was upsetting, and we we have like we're we're sort of cautioning after some of these performances or these results that it's not always going to be like this. But sometimes I really do think it's always going to be like this. This is incredible consistency. If you look through the thirteen games, you've beaten a lot of good teams, but. 13 matches in a row is so hard to get your head around. Like, it's so easy for a team, especially a team on the up, any team, to just draw one of those games. They put in a mm. bad performance to lose one of those matches. One of those matches. And it hasn't happened. We've won every one of them. And we've routinely won them. I think that's 23 goals in the first six home games this season. Like, it's just <laughs> just, just lining them up and spanking them straight back out down the, down the motorway. It's, it's, it's amazing. And the first goal is just, like, it's, it's, it's a ball to Dougie. It's, it's, it's great initially from Pau Torres, right? Because Fulham, Fulham are pressing well. They've been a bit ratty. I would call Fulham Atletico Madrid light. You know, they're desperate to be a bit like that. They've got decent players. They can, they can be dynamic on, on the brick. And they'll just ruin the game. They were trying to disrupt that match, and they were doing it well. And even then, in in legal terms, they were pressing well, and they were organising. One person was going out, and you saw Luca Dean and Conza put under a bit of pressure, and they're sort of scrambling the ball back out. And then it comes to Pau Torres. Then it comes to Pau Torres, <laughs> and he has the balls to hold on to it, and the skill just to nick one through to Douglas Ruiz, even as he's being hounded down. Then when it goes to Douglas Louise, anything can happen. Like that's that's the beauty of it. And Douglas Louise turns around and it's game over because Yuri <laughs> Tillemans Yuri Tillemans isn't just playing that number 10 role and doing it really bloody well. We'll talk about him a lot today, I imagine. But he was also making those darting runs into the corner, and Douglas Louise finds him with a little whipped left footed ball. And then it's just uh like Yuri Tillemans sees Watkins and he thinks, nah. And, then, and he looks, he looks beyond Watkins, and he sees Diaby. Thinks, yes, Diaby misses it, and Robinson <laughs> knocks it in. But just the way we can open teams up like that from from any sort of direction, it's lovely. Yeah, and speaking about everyday events like the birth of a child, there's nothing fucking special about yet another Villa player missing the ball whenever they're six yards out from the goal line. <laughs> And poor Anthony Robinson was as bizarrely conspicuous in this game as the letter E is in his first name. And ordinarily, you would be tempted to give <laughs> you'd be tempted to give Diaby a bit of praise for putting Robinson under pressure. But the only person he's putting under pressure with that fucking miss is himself on the team sheet because Leon Bailey and Yuri Tielemans and Zaniolo and Jacob Ramsey are all breathing down his neck. He can be missing the ball from three yards out. <laughs> the second goal John McGinn but first can we talk about Matt Cash's tackle This, like, <laughs> I think did they say it was 24 seconds later that Villa score Fulham are on the break our centre halves are gone Matt Cash chases William down and crunches him and not only that he gets up and he gives it the two fists and Matt Cash loves to defend sometimes and he loves a mincing tackle sometimes (laughs) he loves a mincing tackle more than anybody that was just so emphatic so important not just to get us back up the other side of the bridge but to stop a full massive chance and can we talk about Telemans again, trapping them in as Fulham are trying to scramble a clear Yuri Telemans, like a little brick wall, just pushing it, aging them further and further into the into the death pit of their own nets. And he heads it back in <laughs> and comes to comes to John McGinn and he sells Paulina for I don't know what. And he like it's not even a big dummy, it's not even a big shift. It's just 
It's just a little movement of his hips. It's just a little swagger. And Paulina goes, and John McGinn continues going straight. And I think, I think I had a feeling that he was going to knock that one in. I know we've got a category named after him in WhatsApp winches, but you just know sometimes you know he's just going to whip it in. And that was a lovely, lovely finish. Yeah, but what in the name of God is Luca Dinat to begin with, or just towards the towards the end of this move? It's like. Musa Diaby was having a bad enough day at the office, and what sort of a colleague is Luca Dean dropping the ball into Diaby, surrounded by four men like that at the end of the It's like dropping off a pile of files, a list of names of people to be fired. Good luck, mate. You figure that out. I'm off to the fucking pub. And to be fair, John McGinn makes the entire, <laughs> the entire full and back line look like they've been on the beer all day, and he sends Freed into the fucking chippy for a battered sausage and a garlic cheese chip. And then McGinn serves up the finish, and it's just, it's equally as filthy as that order. And he couldn't have asked for a better waiter than Matt Cash either. You're talking about the tackle, the double fist pump. He's fucking there at the back post, dragging three players yeah. with him as well. It's absolutely incredible, the desire of that man to get back up the pitch so he can have another pointless spank. And I'm sure that'll come up later in the podcast. <laughs> Let's save it, because we have to... We have to be careful with not running into other conversations because this third goal, you might want to talk about some missed chances later in the game, but let's just talk about this third goal on its own in isolation <laughs> because this third goal is Ollie Watkins at his fucking best. I mean, I went straight down to the Vyman meter on my little notepad when the corner came in and Watkins rose up and I've honestly never seen a header cleared so well than that one actually we can talk about another header that he cleared on the other side of the pitch later <laughs> on but let's just focus on the third goal <laughs> and the way he heads clear the danger it's it's brilliant it's strong reads it well and he's up like matt cash gets up at the other side of the pitch ollie Watkins goes from his goal line the whole way up to the other goal line i think it's the goals 19 seconds from end to end and it's because Leon Bailey's on the pitch and he's carrying it forward and I'm looking at McGinn coming down the bottom of my screen and I'm like move your arse McGinn hurry up I know you're faster than this and he can't he can't he's not he's not he's not, he's not as fast as Leon Bailey it turns out and he has to cut back and he has to find Bailey again but he does it really well and Bailey helps him out really well so it's a little Bailey to McGinn back to Bailey and it's across to Watkins, and it's a simple goal, and Bailey gives us a salute. He's on the pitch a few minutes, this boy's numbers this season. I don't know how many times we're going to come on here and say that are incredible, but for Ollie Watkins to clear the corner, to then get up and get in the box and score again, it's just brilliant to see. Yeah, Ollie Watkins getting up, clearing the ball and running the 100 yards to knock the ball into the net. Whenever this goal happened, all I was hoping was that your curtains were drawn so that no one could see what you were doing to yourself in front of the laptop. <laughs> it's, it's, it's absolutely devastating. And initially, of course, like, you know, Robinson makes a bad attempt to drop that ball off as his parents made a spell on his first name. But then, <laughs> I actually, I actually think the pass from Bailey is brilliant. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's an easy pass. I think the Fulham player does really well to cut out the angle, and like you say, McGinn's not exactly bursting. So Bailey has to weigh this up. He has to think that's such an easy pass just to push too wide, and then the, the move is nearly over. Well, you would think that as well, though, because John McGinn can't move that fast. The defender is faster than him. Hmm. So even if McGinn had it got pushed out wide, I'm, I'm sure he would have worked something out because the way he holds this ball up is incredible. He's two or three players inside. They don't know what to do. 
And then speaking about inside, the inside pass to Bailey is just gorgeous. But this is Leon Bailey. This is the Leon Bailey we've seen all year as well. There's no way that Leon Bailey last year would have played that off to John McGinn, saw Watkins on his right, and then decided to go around the outside of Leo, or John McGinn to cross it in. He wouldn't have been mm. thinking that way. He just would have been, if he was at all running, he would have just been running into the box and not helping out McGinn. But it was incredible. From Bailey, absolutely devastating. The cross is perfect, and he's right just to stand there and so look because that goal was all about him. It was brilliant. Yeah, and John McGinn was really cooking today. It was brilliant to see. What what, what do you think Emery's problem is with Bailey up front? It's straight like it was Emery that started this, and he seems to have an aversion to it. Every time Bailey comes on, he has to readjust everything. I think I think this is the only thing holding Bailey back from being in the starting team because. He seems to see it as it's either Bailey or McGinn on the right. And McGinn's way better on the right, obviously. But he was brilliant on the left when he went over today. But McGinn has to move to the left to get Bailey in because he won't play Bailey up front. And he moves Telemans up front. And I don't know, it's, it's a weird uh, thing that he doesn't seem to like about having him up there. It, it is very, very strange. And maybe he just thinks that Leon Bailey is too dynamic to be anywhere other than on the wing maybe that's just he just thinks that's just comfortably his best position he'd roller play Telemans there which means he has to change the team they'd like he's played McGinn there ahead of Bailey he plays Diaby there who you'd think if if Bailey can if Diaby can do it surely Bailey can surely this Leon Bailey can do because Leon Bailey you think you know you want somebody a little a little bit cleverer cleverer up top and behind Watkins like Telemans like McGinn like Diaby than Leon Bailey but Leon Bailey isn't showing anything this season that would make you think that he couldn't play that role but again it's just probably too hard to resist to to not play him on the wing because the way he's playing the way he's driving the way he's it's just such an extra attack and impetus for them from midfield that the other team just can't can't deal with. And maybe that's going to be a problem for Leon Bailey as well. Whenever we bring him on, on the right wing, it completely changes the dynamic of the game and changes how the other team has to defend. There's such an effective substitute to the main end of fucking up Leon yeah. Bailey's ability to start a game. 100%. I do see it that way now as well. I, I actually look at the team and think... And a lot of people are probably thinking the same. I'd like to see Leon Bailey getting a start. But when he's playing so well, you don't want to ruin that. And when it's so effective for the team, you definitely don't want to ruin it. And it's lovely now looking at the bench and thinking, ooh, yeah, we can bring Bailey on into this match of half an hour. <laughs> and yeah, he's, he might he might just pigeonhole himself as a super sub. Um, Fulham scored. It was a ball from right to left, obviously. It was a ball over the top, obviously. And it was a ball <laughs> to a man... Who should have been sent off by that stage as well, Anthony Robinson, and he puts it across, and Jimenez gets his goal. So if Sky Sports thought that there were no talking points from this match, nothing interesting in this match, they can now begin to link Raul Jimenez to Spurs again. I mean, this game suddenly should be all over Sky Sports' <laughs> radar. Raul Jimenez back to Spurs, get it going, boys. Here's a talking point from this match. <laughs> it's a really, really good pass. And then Anthony Robinson makes his parents proud by taking that ball down with all the ease in the world. And he does really well then to shuffle across the <laughs> Jimenez. And I, 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 just hope, I just hope no opposition manager thinks there's anything to learn from this match. Just another routine win at Villa Park for Aston Villa. Turn off the analysis tapes after Villa go 3-0 up because the key, apparently, to beating this high line isn't for your forwards to spin in behind defenders. You aren't fucking moving. They're not turning back with you. They're, you're going to run offside. It's to run from deep. 
And Robinson, to be fair, times it perfectly. The pass is brilliant, and it looks like such a simple goal. But that is the key to defeating the high line. Incredible passes and incredibly good runs from deep. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. The only talking point I wanted to talk about at the top of the show was the penalty that never was. VAR intervened and the... And the referee had a look at it on the monitor, decided that it hit the face rather than the hand. But you know what really annoyed me about this? Is like why is it a drop ball? And if so, like why do we not get the corner? Obviously, it's a block in the face, and the ball's going to play. It's very simple. The ball's dead. Let's if it's not a penalty, let's pick it up from where it is now. Which like the referee giving the penalty didn't affect anything about mm. that play. It went out of play and. And then if he's really intent on giving the drop ball because of the rules or whatever, are they not supposed to be contested? Because of the rules or whatever? <laughs> are they not supposed to be contested? Why, why is the keeper allowed to pick it up uncontested? And why doesn't the ref advise him that he should kick it out? Even for a throw-in or even back to Villa? Like, what's going on? Why the hell did they just get to pick the ball up from what should be a corner? I think that's the they changed the rules a few years ago, didn't they? That uh, drop balls are no longer contested, and I don't think the keeper would have agreed just to kick the ball out. It's not a big bunch of lads standing around playing five a side and saying, "Oh, give us back the ball! Come on, look, we stopped there because your man's laces were undone." <laughs> it's the fucking Premier League game, <laughs> but it builds up to it like it's it's just lovely football again from Aston Villa. I think the Abbey does really well to make something of Watkins' little float over the top. Like it's not a pass that I like. It's one of those that's it's so hard to resist, but so rare that something comes from it. It's hard to resist because you will get your teammate in if you play that little flick pass, but it's hard to make something of it because the ball is slow, it's dropping out of the air, and it has fucking backspin on it. So I don't know why people are so intent on playing it. It's a good ball from Diaby, though. Watkins does well to get onto it. It's a good driving run into the box, and unfortunately, that was the only time Timothy Castagna used his head in any sense of the expression all game. <laughs> Yeah, let's take a break. We'll come back with WhatsApp winges. All right, who thought Douglas Louise is going to take a throw in from the corner? 
Who thought? Because I certainly did. And then I was thinking, I know you're more of a rules merchant than me. <laughs> you are, you are, am I right in thinking you are allowed to throw the ball from a corner? Is that is that is that true? What? I don't know why that stuck in my brain. I should have really checked it up. I should have added more value to Villa Podcast listeners. But <laughs> somebody did me the honours of checking it up. But Nick on Twitter did get in touch just to say, Austin McPhee, you've gone too far. <laughs> it's just a picture of Douglas Louise with the ball over his head. But obviously it was a call that they were doing for Douglas Louise. He whipped the ball in again. <laughs> yeah, obviously it was. Yeah, obviously it wasn't a fucking throw-in. <laughs> the first WhatsApp wins. No fines. No fines today. Matt Cash did knock one out of play down the right line, but but when he played it, I said, "Oh, nice pass!" Oh, for fuck's sake! Mm-hmm. You know, so it was a good idea. I'm not going to find somebody for that. Uh, first WhatsApp wins. Are we ever going to keep a clean sheet? <laughs> yes, it's annoying. It's annoying because they're always they're always annoying goals as well. They seem so avoidable. Like this is two clean sheets in twelve games. Where's the Emmy Martinez? Of Fozcast fame, Emmy Martin is coming in telling them about his locker, of his 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 boxes that he checks in his locker up on up on his locker wall. Where is that, Emmy Martin is? Does, does he have no pride in these clean sheets? Where is the defensive pride in clean sheets? Where's Tyrone Mings? Get them in and ask him what the hell is going on here. Can't be just running around conceding a goal for the sake of it all the time. Yeah, it, it is getting to the stage now where we're we're just playing. We're gonna score more than you football, <laughs> really, and we're gonna do that by playing such a preposterously high line. And that's all right, Conan, because we won three one today. We scored twenty three goals at home in six games. Tried to fucking beat that. You won't. Literally, you won't. Fucking nobody has. So I think you need to relax a little bit. This is the price to pay for playing this football. It is mm-hmm. a bit strange though because. Last year, Emmy Martinez seemed to be doing a lot more sweeping than he's doing this year, or maybe. Maybe that's maybe I'm talking shit. Maybe I just I'm more used to it now. Maybe it doesn't seem as mental, yeah. so it's not sticking into my mind as much. But I, I seem to remember that he was off his line a lot more, a lot quicker whenever we started playing like this. Whenever we really started settling into this. But look, like I said, today's goal. You're playing a high line. If someone times a run that well, runs from it's a left back running from that deep. It's it's a perfect pass, perfect touch. Jimenez is in behind. I, I don't think Torres does Burnley to react to the situation and try to get in front of Jimenez, but I don't think there's very much we can do about that goal, unfortunately. And like I said, hopefully, no opposition scout was watching the last twenty minutes. That I <laughs> in fairness to you and to everybody, maybe, and I am going to do this. Maybe if and when I take Luca Dean out of my fantasy football team, I will care less about oh, For fuck. I was, I was wondering, you know, it seemed like a bit of an odd winch to throw in there to, like I said, a team that has scored 23 goals at home. I feel, <laughs> I feel it at the pit of my stomach. It is so funny now, though, if you look at Twitter. And, you know, especially if you're, if you're, if you're not in the FPL community, and you just see random people, like you'd see an Arsenal fan reacting to a Brighton team sheet versus Sheffield United. Give an idea about what a what a terrible club they are to be dropping Evan Ferguson. <laughs> it's, 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 it's good crack in fairness. It's, uh, it's very little crack, to be honest. I don't know how much crack it is in general, but also I don't know how clearly this lad is thinking. I don't want to be giving out FPL tips because it would seem a bit strange, seeing as I've slagged you off for trying to get them during the podcast for so long. Mm, go on, but, go any, on. but anybody that's picking Evan Ferguson is a fucking moron. <laughs> I had a flutter. I had a flutter with Evan Ferguson on Friday night. It's that, it's that <laughs> little... It is that gambler in me where I, I, I just think... Oh, let's, let's hope this Herbie just decides <laughs> to pick him this week. 
He's fucking Yao Pedro up front in the in the Europa League. He plays Danny Welbeck ahead of him at seven for you don't know who he's gonna pick. What is the point of this? You can't yeah. you can't be reliant. This is like picking a Pep Guardiola winger. This is like having Riyad Mahrez in your team. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, he signed a new contract. I can I can hear a commentator talking about a new contract as he's reeling away in celebration. Yeah, that's and I it, remember that's... remember a few years ago as well, you decided to pick Jay Rodriguez because you didn't want to... Now, this is in quotes. You didn't want to miss him running down the sideline high-fiving Ronald Koeman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And for anybody who's wondering why I get so annoyed about FPL talk other than the fucking inanity of it, it's because it's been going on that long and it has been that nonsensical <laughs> for that long as well. <laughs> it's been going on since... You and I were ringing in. Remember, you had he ring into the Daily Mirror. <laughs> you and, and I were ringing in. And had he punch in your your team based on the numbers on your phone, like on your house phone. Uh, good. A lot of time wasted in my life. Uh, Matoma <laughs> got dropped by Deserby today. As an aside, what like I have with Matoma? Don't worry, he's he's a problem that's going to be gotten rid of now. But she's uh, like Deserby. It's it's almost like well, it's definitely to a fault. Like this. Just chopping and changing, just seemingly because he gets bored. It's weird. Like they went, they went out and drew today with Sheffield United at home. It's just, it really do, it does seem to be tinkering too much, and I, I think, and it was really cool, probably for about you know, ten months there, where it was like, geez, it actually doesn't matter who plays. They're going to play the exact same way, and they're going to get through all the time. But I'm starting to think it does matter now. It's, I'm starting to think maybe, maybe he does have better players and players who aren't as good as his better players. And he should just stick to his better ones more often than not. Yeah, but like, you know, I think we talked about this before. He, he is such a systems manager that doesn't really matter that much. But I just think all the players aren't necessarily that brilliant. So they will draw with Sheffield United. Actually, did you draw with Everton last weekend as well? Maybe they do. Their players can't. <laughs> <laughs> the second WhatsApp one. Did Luca Dean pull out of that? <laughs> <laughs> there was a ball down the side of their box and look at Dean was there ready to cross it in and he just didn't get his foot on it and I think the reason I felt so strongly about it is not fantasy football it was just it's funny isn't it how you get more excited about a turnover Villa had just turned it over about 30 hours out from the Brighton goals and then there was a little quick ball away look at Dean was in and he just seemed to let the defender come in and take it back off him it was a strange sort of strange couple of seconds but it's like you, you and I, Emery has proven that he can. You can go away and you can, you know, be the architect of some of the slickest moves, and you can train your team to just do that over and over and create chances no matter what you're facing. But nothing still will ever beat the excitement of turning the ball over in their half or blocking a clearance. <laughs> like I, honestly, I watch Villa score sometimes, and I'm obviously delighted, but I'm not, I'm not reacting as much as I react to to Yuri Tielemans getting in on somebody's foot and the ball sort of bobbling loose. It's like, oh, go on! I don't, I think, I think it's, just, it's just that thing in you that you want to punish them. Like, you just want to punish the opposition for a mistake. Like That's what I want to see most out of my football. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I set my teams up. By not setting them up. But it, yeah, it, it is that thing. It's just you're getting such a cheap goal. Like, you know, we've worked all week. And then we're also just getting this as well. It's like a bonus at the end of the day. You know, it, it, you, you haven't earned it. So it just feels all the better for getting it. It's, it's, 
it is something that is really hard to resist. But it's the same thing as well when the ball, just things you're used to seeing as well. You nearly always get a chance when something like that happens. And when the ball gets pulled back at the edge of the box and it goes behind every player and the camera's just panning out and all you can think is, please let it be a claret shirt that's coming in on top of this. <laughs> and when it's not, your heart sinks. Yeah, and like you feel you feel like the world's against you when you make a brilliant tackle and it still spills loose to one of them anyway. Oh, that's the, that is that's the worst thing in the world. Yeah, the last WhatsApp one. What's going on with this bench? Why? Why? why the bench was actually good today. Why is Unai Emery not using it? <laughs> I I think he forgets. I I don't think Unai Emery ever forgets when he has to make a change when the game is in a perilous position. Like he reacted so quickly there with Diaby, record sign and bang, get off. You know, we have to change this match. Brings on somebody who does change the match. Puts the game to bed. When the game is put to bed, though, I feel like sometimes we're watching passages of play that are... It's hard to watch sometimes, and it's so obvious that we need to change. The boys were tired today. Like, they, they look... And I, I don't want them to... I don't want you and I, Emery, to take them off to save their legs for another match. Like, there's not another match for two weeks. I want them to take them off because in this match right now, they're so obviously dead on their feet. And it seemed... It honestly seemed like Fulham made about seven subs. Every time I looked over, there was there was two players coming on, and we we just had Bailey coming on for Diaby, and that was it. And it was crying out for more changes, for fresh legs, for just a bit of a bit of energy, and and somebody who wanted to come on and, and prove something. And I just wondered, did he forget? <laughs> was it, or was he annoyed that the, that the game had sort of gotten away from him? That he was like, you know, you you go and get this back. Like, this is your punishment. You have to stay, you have to stay on the pitch. But also, I'm thinking. We we need a bit of investment in January as well. <laughs> like we just we need we need more coming off the bench and get injuries back too. That'll help. Ah yeah yeah I think there are a few players obviously missing that'll help flesh out the squad. But it it, it is strange that he does Unai Emery just get does Unai Emery just love football so much that he just gets sucked into it. So whenever there's not really that much danger, is he just watching the game of football? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> and just trying to understand what's happening here. Oh, this is interesting. I wonder I wonder will Telemans get to that ball? Like I wonder what what's Telemans gonna do next year from this position instead of just thinking Telemans has kind of died here. He put in a brilliant 70 <laughs> minutes. I should just bring on fucking Zaniolo. I've been shiting on about the fact that I haven't been playing in his favourite position. Now that I've taken off the Abbey, put Bailey on the right wing, which I fucking love to do because I can't trust Bailey up there for some reason. <laughs> Surely now I can just bring on Zaniolo. Come on, and I. Yeah, and that, like, that, that's a powerful statement coming from you because I know you're Emery in. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I do. I, I do think it's that. I think any time the song has to be changed, they'll change it. You know, again, when the context is that the game re- requires it, like the, the result requires it. But when the result is in the bag, I think you're right. I think he's just watching it. I think he's enjoying it. I think he's enjoying the challenge as well. Like, re- sort of safe in the knowledge that this is fine. This is all put to bed, and I can just see what this boy really made of. Now, actually, this sounds like the sort of thing I should love. Really. <laughs> Anyway, Emery yet again proving that he's a fucking manager <laughs> created in a lab to please you. Okay, let's take a break. And we'll whoa, 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 whoa. What? We're not in WhatsApp Windows, mate. I think uh, Paul sent us a message during the Thursday night show asking us, do we, uh, do we take notes during the match or do we send each other angry WhatsApps? Yeah. 63rd minute. <laughs> Go on, minutes. Go on before I play this fucking music, mate. I'm not watching another half an hour of this. <laughs> Bang! 
Ollie Watkins goal. <laughs> I hadn't even seen the message before Watkins had scored. Oh, my stomach sore. And I was right. I, I wasn't watching another half an hour because of Watkins. <laughs> when Watkins scored that, I took that highlight and went upstairs and closed the door behind me. <laughs> And he was given out about the instinct to assume that they're guilty. That's because we can see the team that you're fielding. That's, that's because we can see that a club with the fans who can just about create the same level of atmosphere as Denmark versus Tunisia in Qatar, a club like that shouldn't be able to spend £400 million on defenders in three years. Pep Guardiola knows that his legacy is in question here. Pep Guardiola is so terrified of people on Twitter to call him Fraudiola. And like, listen, some of those people have a point. I mean, in his last season at Barcelona, he had Messi running around scoring 73 goals. But Pep led them to second place, nine points behind fucking Igoiger Mourinho's Real Madrid. And were knocked in the Champions League by Roberto Di Matteo's Chelsea. Chelsea. His first year at treble winners, Baron, they were beaten 5 0 by Real Madrid in the Champions League. He didn't even win the double in his second season. Oh, but he played Philip Lam out of position. You know who didn't play Philip Lam in midfield? Treble winner, you pinkers. Do you know who had to play Philippe Coutinho in midfield? Treble winner, Hansi Flick. Roberto Di Matteo's Chelsea. Bayern Munich have won the last 10 titles. It doesn't matter who the manager is. Niko Kovac won the double in his only full season. He was hounded out by November the following year. Do you know who he's managing now? Of course you don't! don't. He's just some manager. Any manager who took over and won the double. It's not a league, it's a fucking procession. Bayern Munich literally take the best player from the second best team. From the second best team in the same league, it's insane. They signed Goetze in Pep's first year. Then Lewandowski the following year. Then they left him alone for a year and then they signed Mats Hummels. <laughs> Can you imagine if City signed Salah in 2018 and then Manny and then the following year signed Van Dijk? <laughs> the Bundesliga is a fucking joke. And, and regardless of how good a coach Squarioli is, no matter how well he's taken Cruyff's template and superimposed better players onto it, anyone, anyone could do what he did at Bayern. As demonstrated by the fact that everybody has. Anyone could do what he did at Bayern. Everybody has. The winner of the Peter Enkelman What the Fuck Award. Per Pau Torres. <laughs> the shot. Do you remember the shot? <laughs> the ball came out. And just like you were describing, you want to see a Clara shirt appear. <laughs>
into the camera screen and it came to Pau Torres. It was like, oh, go on, have that. And that must have felt awful. Yeah, it wasn't a, it wasn't a good connection. Let's let's put it that way. It's not exactly what Unai Emery's been calling for between the fans and <laughs> and the Aston Villa players. It was ah yeah, it's like it's stomach turning. It's 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 the same feeling as getting kicked in the balls. You know, your your the energy just gets sapped from me whenever something like that happens, and all the only noise you can make is oh. <laughs> <laughs> let's go to the Rosenthal Award. The first. The first goal, I mean, Jack on Twitter said, <laughs> it's actually a really good one to point out. He said, Musa Rosenthal getting away with one there. I mean, should this count in the Rosenthal award? We got a goal from it, but he missed a sitter. Uh, no, like I said at the top of the show, you can't just miss you can't just miss the ball. I mean, it actually is depressing. You're going to have to get some sort of AI technology to go through all the back catalogue of our podcast and figure out how many times have I said those words. You can't just miss the ball. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It really yeah. is. And I did call out for people to inundate you with emails after they asked their friends about whether or not it happens that regularly at other clubs. Is this a regular thing where people are just missing the football? Like it's, it's it's it happens too often that I have to believe that all are, it's happening for all our clubs. But I watch a lot of football, Conor. It didn't happen in the Man City Chelsea game this afternoon. Yeah. I'm telling you, it didn't happen. But I also wonder was Jack actually talking about Moose's first absolute fucking sitter that he missed? Oh, that's a, that's the next nomination. I mean, Jesus Christ, straight straight at the goalkeeper, like, like Tielemans to look at Dean, Dean to the Abbey, I and mean, there there's. There's a lot of fantasy football points right there. And <laughs> I mean, he doesn't get these chances often either. I was just saying, I was feeling sorry for him playing up front. There you are, a ball rolled in the box. Time, space, take your pick either side of the keeper. And he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't choose either side. You said, like, he hit a straight at the keeper. So he hit a straight on an out of position goalkeeper as well. Yeah. If he had to hit that down the middle of the goals, it would have gone in because the keeper's <laughs> at the front post. It's ridiculous. And it is lovely football as well. We absolutely sliced them open. McGinn's turn and pass in the halfway line. It's like he's, it's like Fulham have never seen him play and dive in. He just turns, spins around, and plays a lovely pass out to Luca. Tealy does really well to recover after he cocks up the initial pullback and he mm. pokes it back out to Dean. And Dean again gets his head up. How many times have we seen? We all know how good a Luca is at just whipping the ball in, but we've seen him a lot this season as well. Just show that bit of composure and roll it back to somebody. Unfortunately, mm. this time it was Musa Diaby, given the day he was having. <laughs> we already talked about the penalty, but like that, that was a big chance as well because he got blocked down. It was the Watkins chip into Diaby, the volley across, and then the shot was blocked. Oh, then Diaby was offside. I got so pissed off at this one. It's, it's a break from John McGinn. McGinn was really good today. 3v3. The Abbey even if he wasn't offside, he goes too wide anyway. And you know, anyway, on top of all that, he does some really stupid dink back to no one. He's lucky it was offside. That that, that would be more annoying than the offside. The offside, was just, <laughs> offside was just annoying. But the and it all comes from a Telemans tackle as well. Like the ball was turned over. Let's go. Let's go. I was excited. Snappy Telemans is like this is this is becoming a real character trait of him. And like that that was the ball turned over and yeah. Uh, the Abbey just offside. Move over. 
lazy lazy to be offside and then a lazier pass as well that dink it's just like you know let, let's hope this works out instead of just using his brain but also using his pace you told me that whenever he was picking his ultimate footballer he picked himself for pace don't go offside just run past him <laughs> pace and left foot they had it all it was all on his side literally uh, mad cash I mean this the ball from Pau Torres by god <laughs> and Cash uh, Ollie Watkins I mean no player no player can make you feel like you're in the way more than Matt Cash can Watkins doesn't know where to go because Matt Cash is just sprinting towards him. Watkins runs forward he comes back he's moving back he feels like a spare dick and then he gets really annoyed because Matt Cash is a shit shot of his left foot anyway I was like why was I turning around in circles there trying to get out of your way you should have just like I should have known you were going to do this and I would have just stopped moving yeah Watkins can only be annoyed at himself there for not understanding what Matt Cash was going to do <laughs> The big, big chance, lovely, lovely save from Emmy Martinez, from, from Raul Jimenez. This was um, worrying. I mean, Pau Torres is absolutely brilliant. So many strengths that we are really enjoying and milking. And we're going to have to put up with this every so often. Just It will be, <laughs> knock- <laughs> it will be knocking the ball around him, running around the other side and getting it. And then Kansas probably taking out a bit too easily, but it will be just stretching to, to get it across to Jimenez. And it's... it's Brilliant save, brilliant save from Martinez. It just tips it onto the post, and it comes out to William, who really should do better, and he balloons it over. Yeah, first five minutes of the half yet again. I mean, we we came out and they looked like they had all gone into the change rooms and got into the shower before Paco came in and said, "What the fuck?" Like I know Fulham might as well pack up and go home, but it's only half time. Get your cacks back on and get back out there and stay concentrated, please, for fuck's sake. Three <laughs> minutes after the half, we just dominated it. Just go out there and keep it tight for at least five minutes, please. Let's have one game where we don't concede an absolutely huge chance just after the break. Like yeah, Pau Torres gets skinned there. Like you say, we're probably gonna have to put up for the absolutely ridiculous nature of his ball playing ability. And then Konza commits. So he has to make it. I think I think a defender like Konza, when he commits there, he has to make it. Mm. But I think when he gets out there, he's probably worried about whether or not he's the last man. And he's think and he he looks like he's pulling away. He looks like he realizes the defender's gonna get or the Wobi's gonna get there first, so he doesn't go in with all the drive that he probably should. But then it's a brilliant, brilliant save. And he gets back up to anything better than the save is a little double fist bump because he knows how important it is. Maybe maybe he was just trying to get into William's head as well. <laughs> One more big chance from Fulham that I wanted to highlight was the another William chance. It's another right to left ball, Raul Jimenez to Pereira. It's a, it's a nice ball in fairness. And then Pereira switches it back across to William on the right hand side again and he cuts back. And he pulls it wide. This is a nice break away from Fulham, but went wide of the post. But the winner, of course, is Ollie Watkins. More so than Diaby, and especially because Diaby's led to a goal anyway. But <laughs> <laughs> Danny Ings is gone, and Ollie Watkins is filling his shoes so well in the Rossenthal <laughs> Award. This isn't good enough, let's be honest. This isn't good enough. It's a, It's brilliant. Unbelievable from John McGinn. We've seen his arse put the good use a lot under Unai Emery. His arse hasn't been one problem actually under Emery at all. Like that's probably the best testament of the job Emery has done. (laughs) 
And like, Jesus, like what he does, he holds the ball up and then he gets turned and then he holds another player off and he gets inside the two of them, runs across the byline, just drills it off someone who hits it off the bar. And there it is for Watkins. Like it, he's trying to head it to the other side of the net as well instead of just heading it in instead of just kicking it in. It was strange. And like Lee Henry was being kind to him after he said, I mean, you've got to be there to miss him. Oh, he will fucking be there. Don't worry about it. He will be there no matter what to miss all of them. He, he, it, it's, it's so frustrating. There was a stat before the game that I just dug out myself because I was wondering how many how, how many goals has he left out there. And before the match, it was 12 what Opta or whoever classified as big chances. He, he missed more than anybody in the league because he only scored one of his 12 big chances. That's, that's, that's now 13. Like, Ollie Watkins is getting goals this season, all right. He's getting returns, but he's doing it w- without the big chances that he's getting. It's insane. Yeah. John, John McGinn must be given about a stone and a half or two stone to Bassey as well, but he makes him look like any other naive fool who's been sucked in by the magnetism of his arse. Yeah. And, I actually wonder as well, sometimes does McGinn's arse need to be investigated? I mean, it's brought so many men to ruin. It's like a fucking honey trap. All these <laughs> all these old fools like Calvin Bassey just can't resist it. They can't believe their luck. And they're right not to believe it. It is too good to be true because it just turns around and kills them just at the moment they think their life can't get any better. And he makes them look like an absolute hit diving in. They can dive in and John McGinn's arse. Mm. But when you look back at the Ollie Watkins header, I don't know why he's surprised. That's what he's trying to do. Yeah, like that—that's what he's done with his neck muscles there. And maybe, maybe he's surprised because the last time he tried to head a ball like that against Az, the ball went in the fucking opposite direction to the way he swung his head. And we didn't talk about this at the time because we were so consumed by the pass by Douglas Louise. But Ollie Watkins made a fucking hames of that pass from Douglas <laughs> Louise. He's trying to flick that the way the ball is moving and he just gets his fucking big forehead on there. Unfortunately, it doesn't happen tonight. And there is no explanation that I won't believe for what happened there. If you told me that Ollie Watkins in his teens took a load of fucking acid and then today he had a flashback just as that ball was coming in, I would believe you. If you told me that Ollie Watkins doesn't have any perception of time or space and actually thought he was six yards past the front post whenever he hit that. I would believe you because anything is more believable than the fact that that's how he headed that ball. <laughs> I think it was so disappointing as well because of, of all the work McGinn did and the, the, one of the most enjoyable things, definitely the most enjoyable thing of that second half was McGinn against Bassey and Castagna. It seemed like every time he got the ball, he was waiting for the two of them to come over. <laughs> like, go on, lads, let's go. Chant your arm again, see if you can get through this big arse. Like, roll up, roll up. And they just rolled them every time they both came over. And then, I felt like I was watching a fucking episode of Scooby-Doo there. You could have taken off Ollie Watkins' head, I'd say, and just revealed John McGinn underneath <laughs> the fucking ability in that head. And they're like, he's a centre forward, Ollie, score! You're on the line! There's nobody near you! Yeah, that's, that's honestly, that's, that's not, it, it's not good enough. Like, you know, I love Ollie Watkins more than anybody. And, and you know how frustrated I get when he's not in the England squad. But for fuck's sake, I just put... You know, Ezri Khan's is not in the England squad. This is the levels you have to get to. to get the England squad. <laughs> Watkins is missing these big chances too often. Maybe we're being affected by recency bias though, Conor. Yeah, maybe. Let's go to the Vyman meter. 
I've got Musa Diaby going down. Do you have anybody else going down before I start going through who's going up? No, I don't have anybody else going down. I think Diaby is going to be really disappointed about that performance. At least I fucking hope he is as well. I mean, his final contribution to the game as well was to complain about a pass not coming early enough and then running offside whenever the pass did come. Didn't bother getting back. And then he did bother getting hooked because of it. Yeah. Well, the beauty of it is, is that he didn't make the front squad. So he's now got two weeks of analysis with you and I, Emery, at Bodymore Heath. <laughs> he's going to learn anyway. He's going to be sitting there. He's going to have every opportunity to improve himself. Uh, going up on the Vyman meter, I'm still going to go Ezri Kanza for his interception on that ball into Raul Jimenez. It was brilliant slide and tackle. Read it so well. Just got in front of him. And then Ezri Kanza also for the overhead clearance. I don't know if you remember the ball that was going into Martinez. And we've seen Villa teams mm-hmm. in the past that they both would have looked at each other and left it to the other person. And Martinez probably was going to catch it anyway. And Kanza thought, fuck this. I, I can get rid of it. It's fine. I can just get rid of this and we'll talk about it later. And that's exactly what he did. And that's exactly what I want to see from his centre half. Yeah, it was absolutely the right decision. I, um, yeah, it was the right decision because I'm not sure if uh, if exactly. Martinez is going to get there. I'm not sure if he would have been outside the box if he did get there. No, absolutely deal with it and then ask the questions later. Going up, the poor fucker who doesn't seem to be allowed to get a break at all this season. Look at Dean. Again, going up on the Vimy meter and he's going up because of the big back post clearance that he did as well. Like That should be an automatic going up on the Vimy meter. Ball going in over your head. It looks like we're in trouble and you flick it on as a fullback. I mean, look at Dean. will do so much work for us. He'll create so many chances. He'll be denied so many assists that he should have. But, <laughs> but he'll still do his fullback work when it's called upon him. That's because he's our more solid left-back option, God, you know that? He is the defensive <laughs> left-back that we have. And he, he, there was one stage that Damatrori came on and he just pushed him inside. He said, nah, go in there. Like, you're not, you're not yeah. coming at me down the wing. He just pushed him inside and Trorori, as is his want, just continued kicking the ball in that direction now and just sprinted after. Absolutely ridiculous. He's like a fucking Hoover robot. You just <laughs> nudge it and it just starts going in that direction. What was that about? <laughs> really? Danny, you're right. He did just keep running straight across the pitch in the direction that he was sent. In the direction that an opposition player pushed him. He's like, oh, all right, okay, let's go. <laughs> Yeah, what's the crack of Moreno? I was sort of hoping, like, that was one of the, the subs that I wanted to see just to get some minutes in his legs. I'm sure they know what he can do, but I assume that he can do something if he's on the bench now. So I thought that was a good opportunity. Maybe he's thinking the game's won. We've got another two weeks now. That's probably the right call, wasn't it? Or maybe he was just watching the match like we talked about 15 <laughs> minutes ago. <laughs> Going up, John McGinn with a Diaby haircut. <laughs> what do you think of this? Like that was slick. He's been hanging out with Musa Diaby. He looks the part. Like, that's not that's no normal shaved meatball head. That is a pristine head shave. And here's one for you. You'll enjoy this. And how can you shave a head differently? <laughs> oh, that, that, that that's is a different. pristine hair. Like, well, who has he been getting his hair cut by before? Who is shaving his head <laughs> that it wasn't pristine? Just big patches of hair and certain sections. I haven't noticed that. This was different. This was on point. And like they had the fade going. They had the. I don't know how they do the the line through the forehead at the top of the forehead. I don't know. But <laughs> I'm in over my head here with, with haircuts yet. But <laughs> you'll enjoy this. 12 players played today. Six of them for Aston Villa have a shaved head. Did you start it up by saying, I'll enjoy this? <laughs> I fucking love this. Kanza, <laughs> Kanza, Douglas Ruiz, Yuri Tillemans, Bailey, Diaby, and John McGinn. 
listing them there was was really was really as useful as saying the fact that there were six of them with shaved heads Connor. <laughs> it's the ones that don't have the hair floppy. It's the ones that don't have their hair floppy. And you're right, maybe there is something in that, Connor, because we all know how bad that Ollie Watkins played today. Maybe it was the hair, maybe his hair got in his eyes, Connor. Maybe that's actually what happened. Maybe they should all shave their heads over the international break. <laughs> I would actually love that, you know, Villa sort of the great disruptors Connor, of the this isn't the league. fucking Romania team during the World Cup all dyeing their hair white this isn't the fucking the Liverpool Spice Boy team all wearing suits before the game who gives a fuck what they look if they all shave their heads all that's gonna do is give a load of people to have a load of memes afterwards talking about how we lost the game we had all had our head shaves like, <laughs> this is so much cooler than a group of players dyeing their hair though this is just this is just a group of boys ready for war. Like, just, just get... And I'm not saying just get a three all over. I'm saying go around to Musa Diaby's and get a proper head shave. And then... <laughs> <laughs> and then boys coming out just, just ready for an assault on this Premier League. We're, we, we can't compete for this league. This is this is mad. Like, get the head shave. Let's, let's go. Yeah, and maybe if we... Maybe if we had a had our head chase before the Nottingham Forest game, I wouldn't be quite as annoyed as I am now. The fact that we could be joined top of the table if we had it, <laughs> if we had it as beat Forest the way we should be beating Forest. Anyway, Do you know I what thought it's the, the head shaving. <laughs> the mad thing about the David Beckham documentary is that it. Alec Ferguson was in and he was talking. He was being interviewed to camera, but they were showing a lot of clips from back in the day as well. And he, Alex Ferguson didn't like when David Beckham shaved his head. I was like, surely that's what you would want from him because he was giving him shit for everything else, giving him shit for you know being too much of a poster boy, being a model, you know, being too much of an influence for off the field things. And then he goes and shaved his head, and Fergie wasn't happy about that apparently as well. It's like he, he literally can't win, and doesn't like the funny thing when Beckham did that, then the whole world started shaving their head as well, so he actually couldn't win. That was uh, it just crossed my mind when I saw John McGinn. That this this is how good John McGinn looked today. <laughs> John McGinn looks so good today it reminded me of the fact that Alex Ferguson is a bollocks <laughs> anybody else going up on the Vimeo meter oh, oh you're, you're a, a Tillemans you're a Tillemans. snappy Tillemans yeah you're yeah, a Tillemans has to go particularly the first half performance and it's I actually feel bad there on Thursday night we were talking about who would you go for Bailey or Zaniolo completely forgetting that Yuri Tillemans could just could play in this role and we called for this at the start of the season as well it's like you know he's unlikely to get in there so why doesn't he try and force himself into the the team in that wide left position that seems like a more natural fit for him Ramsey's out now surely this is his to take he can he can make himself that man in that position and his form in the last couple of weeks in the conference league when he's been starting and when he's been coming on it's been so good that it almost demanded that he play there today and the position we were right the position does suit him I think it's probably he's better there than he is in centre midfield and obviously we can't get rid of Bubakar Kamara or the best player in the league Douglas Louise either so we have to find somewhere else for Tielemans to play and he's just going to battle it out now with Zaniolo and Bailey and then Jacob Ramsey <laughs> and then Jacob Ramsey good luck Yuri <laughs> yeah you're, you're you're very fond of reading out my whatsapp messages when they don't seem as astute but i see you've ignored my whatsapp message from 1 p.m when the villa team was announced and i gave the thumbs up for yuri telemans playing on the left uh oh yes sorry you did you did make that call right but the other one let's be honest was funnier <laughs> leon bailey going up leon bailey's definitely going up leon bailey's doing everything he can to force a start and 
he probably deserves it, but like we talked about, I don't want him to start gunning. I'm, yeah. I'm enjoying this, but what more can you ask for from somebody who is playing so well whenever he comes off the bench to just continue doing that? We talked about this last year with Buendia as well, and with Luca Dean. They never complained. They just they just kept coming on, kept putting in performances. And Leon Bailey's in it this year as well. Literally doing everything he can to force himself into the first team. And that's fucking brilliant. And he's working so well for Aston Villa. Is Matt Cash allowed to go up when he takes two left-footed shots in the one match? No. Yeah, that's, that's fair enough. <laughs> uh, maybe we'll put Emmy Martin as up. It's been a long time and he couldn't really do anything about the goal. I thought he he held up his end of the bargain all right. He did, yeah, he did. Um yeah, and they could do absolutely nothing about the goal. The save is so big and so important at that stage of the game. Imagine if that goes in as well. The the mood Fulham were in for the next 15 minutes before Ollie Watkins scored that goal, before you lost the rag and sent that hilarious text message. Um, <laughs> Fulham, were, Fulham were playing really well. That goal was in. That was a completely different, completely different second half. Yeah. Okay, let's do questions we can't answer, but probably will. There's really not enough made of Kieran Trippier's Geordie accent, is there? <laughs> Go on. Where did he pick this up out of? He's not from Newcastle. I know he's trying to endear himself to the home fans. Maybe, maybe it works. I don't know. But my God, I was looking at Newcastle's team yesterday. And all the WhatsApp that I see that you've left out, as the game was nil-nil, I text you 11 names. And they were put in this order. Nick Pope, Kieran Trippier... Lascelles, Fabian Scher, Lewis Hall, Lewis Miley, Joe Willock, <laughs> one of the Longstaffs, <laughs> Matt Ritchie, Anthony Gordon, Jolinton. Jesus, I know Newcastle have a lot of injuries, but <laughs> that is a sorry team. It is a sorry team. And I think somebody was, I think it was Jamie Carragher said Newcastle have the so- strongest squad now. And sometimes I wonder, is it just because they had Isaac and Wilson battling it out for who was going to play up front? Did he just see those two really good centre-forwards and think, Jesus, they've got such depth and quality? Is that just the level of ability to think that he has? Like, I thought that was a really strange statement at the time. And then, ever since then, that's only been proven to be true. Like you said, a lot of injuries. But Trastonville is... Young player of the year, player of the year, the year before that's out. Tyrone Mings, their best defender last year, is out. Buendia is out. You know, teams have a lot of injuries. But I don't think Aston Villa would ever feel the team that fucking dreadful. <laughs> and, the, and the reason I didn't, you know, I didn't call that one out as well. I mean, that was a good shout for me. But, like, you know, it would have been self-praise as well. I just immediately texted back saying, what the fuck is going on there? Because it is, <laughs> it's so stark. I think I... I, I knew you were sending me the team, but it was also hard for me to believe that that was actually the Newcastle team that you were sending me. Yeah. Oh, it's strange. And it probably ties in nicely with the next question we can't answer. How much longer must I endure the disrespect? <laughs> the, dis- the disrespect in the media? Oh, thank God you went on there. I thought it was going to be about me. <laughs> is, this the, is this the end of the Villa podcast? <laughs> I'm not putting up an hour, half an hour of this. <laughs> I mean, we had Jamie Carragher out uh, last week, I think it was, and he actually he actually believed that he was writing a positive piece about Villa. He couldn't understand the reaction. He started getting ratty with everybody that was replying to him. And the first bloody sentence basically said, I'm paraphrasing, but it said this, enjoy it while you can because a Champions League team is going to come in for Emery. 
No, no, Conan. What it said was Emery can qualify Aston Villa for the Champions League, so enjoy it while you can because a Champions League team might come in and get him. Who, like Aston Villa? (laughs) Yeah, that was so stupid. And then, like, today I open up Twitter. Just, you know, I'm just looking for the Villa team sheet. I'm looking for, you know, fantasy football stuff. And then Ryan Taylor from the Daily Mirror, is it? Yeah, has a piece. I I didn't even read it, but his tweet says. Douglas Louise will have to agitate for a transfer should he wish to join this January. Aston Villa have no interest in a sale. Gunners also have to balance, Gunners also have to balance financial records with sales this winter to continue spending at will. So basically, all this guy has said is Arsenal don't have the money. Villa don't have the slightest interest in selling. But I'm going to write this piece anyway about a January transfer for a team from a team competing for the Champions League for a player with three years left on his contract because obviously, like most people, like Carragher, like whoever else, my brain can't compute the idea of an elite player existing outside of the, the, the six clubs that he knows of. <laughs> before he's given up on the article before he's even like let, let anybody read. <laughs> his tweet was, this is going to happen, but wouldn't it be fucking great? You're being very kind there, describing it as an article. It's it's just absolute nonsense. It's like someone's vomited into a void, and it ended up on the fucking internet, which is, to be honest, most of the internet. But it's just it's it's the type of bollocks that I would expect from your pals in the media. If we're if we're all being honest here, and I I don't know why we get angry. I actually don't, and I I am getting angry now as I'm talking about it. But I don't know why we get angry about it because we can't fucking we can't expect anything better. I mean, these people. That that guy is just either wasting his life or he is a moron. And while while we're talking about morons and while we're on Jamie Carragher, like <laughs> Jamie Carragher is a confident man, and, and and he's media trained and media experienced. So and obviously obviously being able to articulate your point denotes some sort of degree of mental sophistication and being given being given that platform must give him more confidence like it, it should be it should be a virtuous circle but it's not it's a fucking maelstrom that drags his intellect whatever he had into the fucking vortex and drowns it because he just loses himself on that platform like you say he was getting annoyed and defending himself but we know this about jamie Carragher as well he's so confident and lacking in clarity and rationality that not only did he think it was a good idea to spit at someone not only did he think it was a good idea to do it to someone who was filming him, he also thought he could do it. Like, that was a one in a million shot. But he has the appropriate level of confidence to think he could spit from a moving vehicle that he's driving into a moving vehicle across the passenger seat. Like, it's hard to imagine how you would even get the angle for that. Like, that is just laudable confidence. And, and, and <laughs> like, like I said, he's, he's able to articulate his points, so that can be confused with intelligence. But he's not intelligence. Intelligent, and all you have to do to realize this is to listen to him. Jimmy Carragher watched Havertz fly through the air last week at shin height, the fastest Havertz has ever moved. By the way, the first time he's ever moved with any sort of speed. <laughs> and he watched Bruno Gamores throw his arm through the air at head height and, and used the fact that people, not the referee incidentally, that people said they were red cards as evidence that the game's gone. 
<laughs> like Jimmy, Jimmy Carragher has more fun watching 11 v 11, so oh. he wants there to be fewer red cards, so refs should stop sending people off. Like he's showing all the fucking mental alacrity of a dog recovering from having his testicles lobbed off. Like, I, 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 like I don't like I don't like my taxes going towards incarcerating and feeding murderers. So let's stop arresting murderers. You know, <laughs> I have I have more fun. I have more fun when I don't have to sit here giving out about morons, Conan, speaking absolute drivel. But the solution isn't for me to stop giving out about morons, Conan. They have to be held to account. <laughs> Their inane ramblings have to be spotlighted. And th- and this this is the man that you want to be able to comprehend the Premier League with more than fucking six teams. Who's the real idiot? <laughs> and the thing is now is that they are going to have to get their head around that the door is ajar for Aston Villa. He tied us all back in now to Newcastle's team being on their knees at the minute with Spurs I don't think they look that strong Spurs had started really well but they also hadn't really played anybody either and they got, they obviously got lucky against Liverpool the Chelsea will be a threat I think but they're so far back at the minute that again it's an opportunity for Villa Brighton you know, God knows what, what way Deserbi will wake up from day to day and United, our closest competitors to the top five, are terrible. United are awful, so we don't need to worry about that. See Thursday's podcast for how bad United are. <laughs> <laughs> There's actually a real chance, and this ties in with WhatsApp points in as well, because, and, and I sense this is where Emery's particular rattiness is coming from now as well. I think he knows. Like he, that's just why the players and everything are all talking about champions. They, they, know, they know this is actually on. It's not a go and believe in yourself type of job. It's actually... We can definitely get more points than than Spurs, Brighton, United, Chelsea, Newcastle. The way they all are, we can go and get more points than them definitely. And we've set set ourselves up really well the first twelve games. Let's continue going. And Jesus, like it would actually help if we just pumped a bit more money in in January and really went for it. Because not to sound like Jamie Carragher, but we really should make the most of it now while we can. Yeah, but I think you're right. I mean, like, forget about Brighton. They're not our level. They're not the level of the other teams either. It is good that Chelsea are 10 points behind or whatever it is. The thing about Arsenal and Saudi Arabia, the last couple of years, last year in particular, I was looking at their teams thinking, how are they doing so well? This is infuriating because their teams, again, they're just not that good on paper. They're not, they're not that far ahead of... Of Aston Villa, I, I don't think I don't think Saudi Arabia is, is at all. Arsenal's probably is a little bit, but it's not it's not that far ahead. Liverpool, Man City should probably be pulling away from the rest of us. I think Spurs can be God. That Spurs team isn't isn't that good at all. So you're right. There absolutely is a huge chance. Man, sorry, Man United, Man United have got four have got four wins in their last five games. They, and in those five games, they've got a fucking goal difference of plus one. <laughs> four wins and five, and they've got a goal difference of plus one. They're fucking sixth in the league with a goal difference of minus three. Yeah, twenty one points. It, it, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Why we're all Man United? <laughs> not, <laughs> not to turn the section and the permanent United fashion section. Although there's definitely enough content to do that. <laughs> I, I see some of them getting quite sarky you now about other clubs like Spurs or Newcastle. You know, when when they're having a bad result or something, like Kieran Trippier is arguing with the fans. 
in his Geordie accent. You would see United fans sort of talking about, oh, club in crisis there, but nobody's saying anything about it. You know, if that was United, it would be all over the news, blah, blah, blah. United are the ones who bring all the stuff all over the news. Sorry, the United fans, because the thing they hate most is when things are bad. They hate being told that things aren't that bad. Fucking grow up, you're spoilt. Like, you actually you invest a lot of money, blah, blah, blah. The Glazers aren't dragging you down. It's your manager, it's your players, whatever. They hate that more than anybody. So they wail louder than anyone. So you can't have it both ways. Just why we're on that. <laughs> but what, what are we on there again? Man United or morons? <laughs> <laughs> and if you think about it as well, if you take Emmy Martinez, I think Kamara, Watkins potentially, all those three players would look good with a shaved head too. No better way to end the podcast, Connor. <laughs> Thanks very much for listening. We're going to take a break. Liam's going to go off to an All-Ireland match. <laughs> <laughs> who, who are you playing? Who's this? What, what's the season ticket delivering for you this time? New Zealand. A friendly against New Zealand at the Aviva. Which, you know, which make, might make a certain section of Irish society's eyes light up, but it's not fucking making mine light up. Unbelievable as well. Like, I think ever since this Nations League thing came in and there was uh, certain European groups with only with one less team because all their teams were playing in the Nations League semis or whatever it was, the semis and the finals, Ireland have always ended up in the group where they had one less competitive game. So you'd think they would fucking use that time to have a little think about it and appreciate the fact that we're getting robbed essentially of one extra competitive game. So let's give them some sort of a glamour tie. What did he do? They go out and get fucking New Zealand. <laughs> Honestly, why the what the fuck are they playing at? The, 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 we had Latvia was the other friendly we had this year. What are they doing? I think is it James McLean's goodbye though as well. So you got something to go to James McLean who isn't in the Ireland squad for the competitive yeah. games. Goodbye, yeah. <laughs> That's what I've got to go to. I've got to go. I've got to go and see McLean ball. McLean walking around applauding the 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 fans. That's how we're ending our season. James McLean has been a brilliant servant for Ireland, and he deserves an applause. But I'm going to a game that James McLean isn't deemed good enough to be picked for against a team who are ranked 150th in the world. Yeah, and a timely Evan Ferguson injury for you as well. Oh, is it too late to refund the fucking season ticket for next year? <laughs> Thanks very much for listening. Chat to you soon. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.